You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So um, for those of you who maybe are new, Awaken is a spirit-filled church, meaning we read the whole Bible and we think that the whole thing is real. Crazy. So when Jesus told his followers, heal the sick, raise the dead, do greater things than you read in the book. We actually believe that's what he wants us to do. I know, it's preposterous, right? Okay, now, if you're like me and you didn't grow up in a church that really acted on those things and followed through and went for it, um, some of this might be offensive and weird. (laughs) Truthfully, I was very offended and weirded out when the Holy Spirit showed up at our church. You know what? If your God never offends you and never weirds you out, is he really bigger than you? Let me just ask you that straight up. If you are never offended at church, are you really channeling and talking to something bigger, better, superior, and smarter than you? Because I have little two and three-year-olds. They're often offended by my wisdom. Do you get it? Like when they say, I want candy for dinner, and I say no, see, I'm at a higher level of understanding. But that is purely offensive. So I'm just saying, if you get a little offended, you get a little ruffled, a little rattled, that's good. That's healthy. And please don't jet for the back, jet for the front. Taste the wine before you spit, you know, before you say I'm out. Because we're going to do an altar call tonight. And I'm telling you, the power of God's going to move. The power of God's going to move. And you know what changed my perspective on the Holy Spirit and the power of God and the whole Bible being true? It wasn't talking theology with people, although I did, and I tried, and I was really good at that. It was experiencing it. So I don't care if you don't believe that God still heals. If you have a thing that needs healing, come down at the end of the night. In fact, I challenge you because there's enough people in this room who have faith for you. We're going to push you in to that miracle. How many people in this room, just to raise a hand, you've been here a while, have experienced some form of a legitimate miracle in their life in this church? Look around, those of you who, look around. That's a lot of people. And they're going to carry, they're going to help push. So here's how tonight's going to work. I really, it's not going to be a beautiful, articulate message with perfect three points and, you know, right hermeneutics. I can't even say the word and... Might not even be 100% theologically accurate at all times because sometimes I process things by saying them. So I literally say something like, oh no, I don't believe that. So if I, I'll tell you if that happens. That has happened on stage, okay? But I'm gonna tell you the bottom line. Together, I wanna take a, all of us hop in a bus, go somewhere quick, get off and get what God wants to get to us. That's all we're going for tonight. That's all we're going for tonight. In fact, I told the band to come up here in like really fast because I want to leave time for God to do his work. So let's get to it. Those of you who um, don't follow me on social media, I don't know why. (laughs) At Matt underscore Tuggle underscore. Um, might Might have noticed... Well, anybody have like a boring two weeks, last two weeks, just average, normal, same old, same old? Not my two weeks, okay? And so I just want to share a story and what God taught me in the story quickly. And uh, 
and where God I know wants to take tonight. Not I think, I know he wants to take tonight. So Thursday before, what do they call that? Valentine's Day. There it is. Sorry, baby. (laughs) Had a legitimate excuse this year. Um, (laughs) Day before Valentine's Day, I was in uh, Houston, Texas. Two weeks before I was in Dallas. I was in Houston, Texas on work. And I was talking to Lorraine, and she tells me, we have our connect group, and she tells me, hey, Asher, I think, is teething. He's got a tooth coming in. Um, he's got a little fever. He's acting pretty clingy. And uh, actually, let me backtrack. This has never happened before, but the two days while I was gone in Texas, and I thought it was just because I was in Texas, but the two days before this event, so uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday night, Asher did something he's never done before. He's two years old. He sleeps in his room. He's never had a problem sleeping. But for some reason, the two days before this event, he would not sleep in his room, and he kept telling us he saw a monster. And he was physically shaking, scared. So we don't, um, we do sleep training, all that stuff. Let's not get political here. But, you know, so they don't sleep in the bed with us. It's sacred place. Um, <laughs> Calm down, calm down. And so he wouldn't, he wouldn't sleep in his room, and so Lorraine let him sleep in the bed, and I'm thinking it's because I'm out of town, and so, you know, I'm praying from Texas. Anyways, I, uh, I come home Thursday night. First miracle in this story. I wasn't supposed to come home until Friday afternoon, but I had a really important meeting I wanted to come back for, which actually got rescheduled, but my business partner forgot to tell me. So I landed Thursday night, which is a miracle, in, in San Diego, called, because it was an evening meeting, and he's like, oh, yeah, hey, I called you. I just didn't leave a voicemail. The meeting is rescheduled. <laughs> okay, so I was frustrated, but God was in it. God was in it. And so, and I, I honestly, like, just if you're going to listen to this buddy who's my business partner, I love you for not calling me or not texting me, and God was in it. He knew I kind of wanted to come home, so he just decided, he, he made a judgment call for me, which was the right call. Anyways, um, so I get home, and we go to bed that night, and Asher sleeps in the bed with us, and the next morning, I wake up, and he sounds like he has a real bad wheezy cough. They call it, like, croup, and he got that a year ago, so we're like, oh, man, he got that again. That's a bummer, so I'm like, hey, I'll take him to his pediatrician before I go to work, so we put him in the bath to hopefully the steam would relieve, and all of a sudden, we realize... He's turning white, and he seems like he's going in and out of consciousness. So we jump in the car, and we rush to, we're only a couple exits from Scripps in Encinitas. So we rush to Scripps, and as we're driving, he's really getting worse. He's taking a turn. He's kind of going in and out. He's turned completely white. His lips are starting to turn blue. So we rush into the hospital, and they grab him, and they start trying to give him oxygen and breathing treatment, and... When it really hit me, the doctor looks at me, says, your son's really sick. And then he looks at the nurse and says, go get the crash cart, which is apparent that's something you never want to hear. I've watched enough like medical shows. At that point, I wish I'd never watched the medical show. It's like, why? Why was House so good? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, ah, I know what that means. So he yells, go get a crash cart. And then uh, he tells me, Rady's ambulance is on the way. He's got to get to Rady's. 
And, uh, you know, I'm just in, literally, I'm, I'm on my heels. I'm took back. I, I don't know what to do. And so we rushed to Rady's and uh, called Pastor Lance. Who are you going to call? <laughs> going to call Lance. Going to go to the top, okay? <laughs> so Lance gets in his old station wagon with a red siren. Wee! Retro, some of you get it. The my say is like, whew, whew. okay. No, so he rushes down there, and uh, we get him to the hospital, and they're putting him on a, a hydrogen, another breathing treatment. And anyways, it, we think it's going to take a turn, and literally as Lance gets there, um, Asher just goes, his heart rate was like at 220, which is like doing a dead sprint. And it's been like that for six or seven hours now. And he starts having like a hyperventilating attack and his heart's going out of control. And the doctors start saying, we need to go to the OR right now or his heart's going to stop. And, you know, it's the scariest moment of your life. Um, at that moment, Lance, we were all in the room. There's like 12 doctors. They're muscling around. I don't know how it happened. It was like the sea parted. And Lance, me and my wife just jump on my boy. And Lance just begins to pray. Now, I'm going to say the first part that's going to weird you out, and it ties into what my, I was telling you about my son having the two nights he wouldn't sleep. When Pastor Lance said, spirit of infirmity, get off this boy, my sedated son sat up in bed and started trying to rip off his oxygen mask. Just let that sit for a minute. <sighs> yeah, Lance, that happened, right? <laughs> okay. So then they rush him to the OR, and they put him on life support, and when they go to the OR, you know, God had the right doctor. The doctor said, hey, it could be this super, super rare bacterial infection that's pretty much extinct. While you're in the ER, stick a camera down there because it's the only way you could find out. So that doctor makes the call, right call, because as they were putting in the breathing tube, they looked and they said, oh, yeah, that's what it is. Basically, the little flap right in your throat that opens up when you're taking in air was completely infected and just covering his windpipe. So he couldn't get oxygen. Um, so they get him on life support. And I'm going to pause there for a minute because this is point number one. What I really want to get across, and I'm not going to give him any credit because he lost, but in order to walk out the full purpose, you got to know that there is an enemy. There is an enemy. The Bible says this about the devil. It says, be sober. This is 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The next verse starts with, resist him steadfast in the faith. You have an enemy. His native tongue, the Bible says, is lies. He is the accuser of the brethren. And his number one purpose in life is to block you from God's purpose for your life. That's all he wants to do. He hates the father, so he attacks the children. And trust me, there's no more hurt than going for the kid. He goes for the children. So when you're feeling, let me just put it this way. Here's how you know the devil's working on you. Here's what the devil says. You screwed up. You better not let your dad find out. Here's what God says, or here's what the Holy Spirit says. You screwed up. You better go find your dad. Do you see the difference there? See, God is interested and loves you. We're going to get to this in a minute. But God loves you. And so many times we are sitting around feeling unworthy, unlovable, and blocked from what he wants. 
So let me get, let me go further in the story. There is an enemy. He went after my son. And tonight is a reckoning of many, a payback. This is tombstone, baby. Okay, I got my spurs on. Because the best way I can hurt him for going after my kid is you getting your miracle tonight. That's how I'm going to stick it to him for messing with my boy. So you better get your miracle tonight because it's a reckoning. I'm angry. Holy anger. I want us all to get our miracles. Laugh at the devil as we go to pizza port tonight. Come on. So my son's on life support. I realize after that moment that it was an attack from the enemy after seeing Lance pray and that happened. And so I'll, I'll admit that on Valentine's Day, that night, I went home to get some clothes. And I felt, I just want to know that God is with us through the whole range. I walked in my door and it all of a sudden hit me and I collapsed. Not, not manly, not going to kick the devil in the teeth. I collapsed. And I was so afraid. I was so terrified. And that's when God's grace started just to show up. His grace started to show up. So anyways, my boy's in life support. Now, uh, let me show you a picture real quick. I got a picture. The title of my message is Wake Up, by the way, but this is Asher. Thank you, Paul and Laura, for the teddy bear. And thank you, uh, Hales, for the leopard. Just so many great people in my life. I wish I had time to thank everybody. Um, But my gosh. So that's my boy on life support. You can take the picture down. I need to focus and not cry. Um, So we begin to pray. We begin to do, and I told Loren, it's kind of like, you know, Lance was so kind, and so many people were kind of like, oh, you guys were so brave. You know, you spoke faith, da-da-da. And I'll tell you, when it's your kid, it's kind of like Apollo 13, and when they're like, failure's not an option, boys. Like, it wasn't so much, it was just, the alternative to him not getting better is not acceptable. And so we just went into faith. We went into worship being on in the room 24-7 as much as we could get it on. Our nurse was a Christian, so she showed me how to do YouTube on the heart monitor machine. So I literally was like sneaking on the computer and turning on worship music from the heart monitor machine. Just amazing. So we had worship playing. We had people praying I had so many people taking care, I mean, the meal train. And let me tell you just a side note, why you need to be here every week. Okay, why you need to be here? Because when you hit that kind of situation, it's all about, in the military, they call it, it's all about the training. See, I've been trained enough to know I just got to pray. I just got to speak life. I just got to cancel whenever the doctors come in and say a bad negative report. I got to say cancel and I got to turn on that worship music. And it's the, it's the Tuesday mornings. It's the two services on Sunday. It's preparing you for when you need to step up. And we, we were prepared. I didn't even know we were prepared, but we were prepared because of this church. And even the times when I felt weak, I couldn't stay there because I had my phone blown up. With people like, hey, bro, keep speaking faith. You got this. Your boy's getting up. I know he's going to rise. I know he's going to get up. So you want that in your world. I'm not kidding. Like 90 text messages. Dudes, I don't, like at men's prayer, that I've made prayer with once, like finding my number and be like, hey, God's got you. Like it was amazing, the support. So my boy's on life support. And um, this is the crux of the message where God spoke to me more than anything. First thing I want, so the point number two is simply this. God is good and he loves you. 
I want you to know, not for a second, do I believe that God made my son sick. If that messes with your theology, little Calvinism's peppered in there, let's talk after. But God did not make my son sick. God hates sickness. God hates death. God hates cancer. God hates depression. God hates anxiety. And he doesn't want to use those to teach you a lesson. He doesn't want to use those things that are not of him, that are from a fallen world, to try to teach you how to be a Christian. That's not who he is. It's not who he is. So son's on life support. And the doctor told us that he'd probably be there till mid-March. Uh, after five days, they won't even look at his throat. But after five days, we'll see. And then maybe we'll take him off life support. But he's going to need a lot of time to recover. He's very sick. Doctors later told my mom after he got out of, off of life support that they were genuinely really scared. They couldn't say that to me, which I'm glad they didn't. But they were really scared that they might lose him. So he's on life support, and they told us that the medicine could wear off that was putting him in the medically induced coma. And so he, although he would be paralyzed, that medicine would wear off, he might kind of wake up. And so when my wife was there one night, uh, I think three days in, she saw water coming down his eyes. And she asked the doctor, she said, is that like his eyes self-lubricating? He looked at his heart rate and said, his heart rate's above 150. Actually, he's awake. He's probably crying. <laughs> so I'm like, I was, we were doing shifts and I was home. I'm like, I'm coming right now. My, both my mom and Lauren's mom were in town. I made a rule right there. I said, he is never alone in the room. Never, never alone in the room. So Lauren tells me that my heart breaks. And uh, so the next morning I'm there with him by myself and I hear the heart rate thing go beep, and it's above 150, it means awake, and I see those tears. And the doctor had told me not to put the rail down on the bed because I could hit the wire or something. Stuff that, man. That rail went down. <laughs> Zero cares. My boy is crying and can't talk and doesn't know where he is, and he's awake, and he can't move his body. That rail went down so fast. And I just hovered over him and let, put my face on his face. And I began to whisper to him. I said, Asher, daddy's here. Daddy's here. You're okay. You're going to be okay. And I'm, I was, my head was on him. And I'm whispering. I'm watching the heart rate monitor. And it begins to go down. Maddie, don't cry. You make me cry. <laughs> just kidding. I love you. Um... And so, you know, it's kind of hurting because I can't actually lay on him. So I'm like hovering. <laughs> My lower back was not prepared. Spiritually, I was prepared because of this church. Physically, not ready. <laughs> Just going to say, commitment to you. Going to get physically ready for anything the devil's going to throw at me to. Any personal trainers want to donate? Hit me up. Because then my back was dying. So I'm hovering. And after about five minutes, I think maybe he's falling back asleep. So I begin to pull up. Heart rate goes back up. Tears. Oh, gosh. So I'm in this for about 20 minutes. And after I whispered that daddy's here and love you, then I started to feel like he needs to know. Asher, you're so strong. You are, you are going to kick this disease's butt. And the doctors are going to be shocked and awed. And daddy's going to tell them they're going to be shocked and awed. And Lorraine, did I not say that over and over? 
I would just say, the doctors walk in, they'd be like, oh, he's looking good. I'm like, shock and awe. I did. Non-stop. Non-stop. Because God was going to do something, and I want to make sure those doctors knew why. So I was hovering over him, and first I told him I love him, and then I told him. And I know he's strong, because I know at least, uh, you know, he's got half the genes are from me, and I, I'm, I feel good about myself. I can handle some stuff. And then my wife, I'm terrified of her genes. She's a freak of nature. So I know the gene pool that he's pulling from. I know this infection doesn't stand a chance, but I needed him to know that. I needed him to know who, what he's made of. And finally he goes back to sleep and I sit down and I, I felt powerless. And in that moment, my heavenly father came to me in the hospital said, son, I'm with you. I love you. I made you so strong. The DNA that courses through your veins is my son's. It's not your strength. It's his strength. It's not your power. It's his power. It's not your ability. It's his ability. It is Jesus Christ who took the whip, who took the beating, who took the cross, who took the crown of thorns, who took the shame, who took the punches in the face, who took the beard getting ripped out, who took the devil on and said, it is finished. It is not about what we carry. It is about the blood transfusion that happened on the cross. Jesus Christ's power. Your miracle is what he deserves, not about what you deserve. Tonight is a night for the power of God to move. Let me just fast forward. Do you guys have the video? Get that ready. That's Asher. Yay! <laughs> That's a couple days after being on life support. There's Levi, there's <laughs> his brother. I knew he was healed you know what was so hard when he was on that life support I felt the presence of God and I knew he was healed but the doctors would not look at his throat till Tuesday so I was in this limbo where I knew my boy was okay but he was on life support and I didn't know and because of it it's like he, he couldn't know that why I felt powerless is he couldn't know how close I was. He didn't know that I was right there, that he was gonna be okay because the healing had already happened. He was just in this medically induced coma. Anyways, let me just give the praise report. The same surgeon that found the infection uh, was the, scheduled the day, Tuesday morning, 7.30. Guess where I was at 5.30? Yeah, you know. And let me thank the 100 plus men, if you're in the room, who prayed for my boy. All you guys, that's why we do what we do in there. 
We need to show up. Stop sleeping in. We gotta fight. So we get, I get prayer, I jet over there, the doc goes in. We have the before and after pictures. I didn't get them to the team in time. The, the surgeon comes in, she says, I can't believe it. There is no sign of infection. I can't see anything. Shocking awe, baby. Shocking awe. Then, so they say he can wake up. So he wakes up, obviously all the drugs, he's a little shaky. And they're like, you know, could be here another five, six days, could be weeks, who knows? And I'm like, no, he's going home. 24 hours from when they woke him up, one, like literally one night, we were released the next morning, 7.30 in the morning. The ICU doctors, I'm not joking, the ICU doctors saw that on the report, came down to the pediatrician level because they thought it was a mistake. They said, this can't be real. So they bust in there, two doctors like, what's going on? Why are you going home? I'm like, they, he's good. And they start asking me all these questions. One of the doctors that's been around since the 70s and had seen this before, said, literally looked at the chart, looked at him, looked at his response and said, this is a merit. She stopped. She's like, he's really strong. I'm like, no, you said it. Got you. You said it. You said it. Shock and awe, baby. Shock and awe. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, all right. So when I was in that moment with the life support, God whispered to me, you've been on life support too. I've already healed you. I've already took care of it. I've already set it up. And I'm just trying to get close enough so you hear me. And tonight, this is why I wanted to bring up that there's an enemy. I truly believe God wants to answer all the miracles that we've been waiting for in this room. Not some, I believe we're gonna have an encounter with God, that there's a breakthrough anointing for you. But I wanna ask the question, are you on life support right now? Because sometimes we walk around feeling so paralyzed by fear that we're afraid to believe again because we believed once in disappointment or you know, we trusted somebody once and whatever, fear, you know, fear paralyzes. And that's one of the medicines again was paralyzing or, you know, maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're just struggling with a sin or something. And we think that God is like, oh, gross. Oh man, no, God is right in your face. I love you. You're so much stronger than you think you are. Let me finish what I started, wake up. Wake up that I'm here. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.